our very first podcast episode. This year, we will be bringing you weekly podcast episodes to talk about health, wellness, and balancing life in these different times. Today, we are going to be talking about virtual learning. Now, this is something most of us are currently doing, but we wanted to discuss some tips and practices to support you in the changing environment. My name is Royce Perkins, and I am a junior-level transfer student that is majoring in health science. My name is Destiny Bufanayella. I am a fourth-year student, and my major is nursing. Both Royce and I are Peer Ambassador of Wellness, also known as PAUSE, in the program here at Fresno State, and we're both going to be your hosts this week. I am really excited to welcome our guest to the podcast, William Hardaway. Thank you so much for being here. Can you introduce yourself really quickly and tell us a little bit about what you do at Fresno State? My name is William Hardaway. I coordinate a program in the Learning Center, the tutoring program for the campus. And in doing that, that means I hire, train, and develop a group of peer tutors that are, you know, essentially here to support um, students on campus. And I also get to do a lot of research on learning and memory and emotional intelligence because those are kind of the pillars of what tutors are trained on in order to help students. And I get to connect with a lot of students in a, in a learning position, which is always interesting because they're people are curious and excited. And sometimes uh, you got to help them find excitement in certain subjects and courses. I'm sure there you hear firsthand a lot of the struggles that people are facing as we're entering this new virtual system and how everyone's navigating that. Um, what are some of the main challenges that you're seeing from your end? I feel like a, a lot of struggles are centered around technology, not in the sense of students not knowing what to do with it, although there's a little bit of that, more in the sense of access to reliable technology. So um, Internet in particular, um, I think we're all realizing in the greater Valley area that we have some limitations with uh, proper Wi-Fi. Uh, to sustain some of the things that we're doing. Some of the other things are, are related to like equipment. And then beyond that, it's attention. I say attention in the broadest sense because it could be attention because now, particularly as a, like a, a, a young parent or a student of color, like somebody that lives in a household that has either young people or that has an abundance of people, it's not as easy as let me go to my own private space and get onto the session. You know, you have to navigate other people's schedules. You have to navigate responsibilities that you have when you are home. And so that has also been a huge challenge for students. And so that all boils down to do they have the time to commit to studying and resources and attending public things online. But considering those issues with technology and also uh, figuring out responsibility, uh, how do you feel students should approach uh, virtual learning that's different from a traditional academic experience? I think the approach is, a, a lot of it is centered around recognizing cues. So one, evaluating like what you are currently doing in this space. I think we took for granted all the cues that we would get when we were on, on campus. So if I'm on campus, and I'm seeing people, like, on tables, sitting around, studying, going to the library, I'm seeing people study. That is, like, a cue for me to 
have some emotion around what other people are doing. Either I get stressed and that inspires me to start doing work, or I get motivated and that inspires me to start doing work, or I start to ask questions about like, hey, how do you study? Why do you study that way? And now we don't have those same cues. And so I feel like the number one thing students can do right now is evaluate what their current habits are, not just how they study, but like what are their habits. If I gave you a grid to account for every 15-minute block in your day, what would be in those blocks? And so we have a program uh, that's a partner program of the Learning Center called SupportNet, and they do a lot of that work. They have academic coaches that will sit down with you and do just that. Now, some of us students are uh, still teaching into classes via Zoom at scheduled dates and times, but for others, uh, myself included, it's a whole different experience altogether. If you would tell us about some of the main differences between asynchronous and uh, virtual asynchronous digital classroom classes and uh, how students should go about it. That gets back to the evaluation of what habits you have. When I would go into uh, University One classes, it's a class that's basically an intro to university, and um, they talk to you about all these things like college habits and what makes a successful student. And I would go and talk to that class about time management, and the first thing I would tell them is that I would ask the question, how do I effectively manage my time? And then they would give me a laundry list of things without reference. They would say, keep a calendar, show up on time, don't procrastinate. You know, they would give me all the things that I would get from Google if I searched it. And so what I told them is that, obviously, y'all know how to manage time. You're aware of what it takes to be uh, effective with time management. And so I told them their problem was change. And change behavior is very interesting because now we were forced to do something to adjust to a change that we have, like being in the pandemic, being in quarantine. But at the same time, it's very hard to change habit. And so synchronous versus asynchronous. Synchronous is beneficial because it's fixed time that somebody else is holding me accountable for. And so in the when I would talk to University One students, I would tell them, make two buckets, fixed time and variable time. So fixed time is like, I can't just call into my job and say, hey, I'm not coming today. Or I can't uh, call my professor and say, hey, I don't feel like going to class. Like, that's something that somebody else is holding me accountable for. Where variable time is like, you know what? I might be watching a little bit too much Cobra Kai on Netflix right now. Like, that's something that I can control. I don't need to have a conversation with people. Other things that students would end up finding out that were fixed instead of variable are family obligations. That's not really variable time because if you have to have any conversation to make a change, that's fixed. And so um, that is the trouble with asynchronous courses is that you turn what should be fixed time into variable time. And so you got to figure out a way to create that pattern in your mind to make it fixed time. So touching on that idea of fixed time and variable time, I think that for me personally, last semester was very easy for me because everything was on campus and it was very easy for me to know when my classes were and when I could squeeze in study time. Uh, and now I'm at home. I have a two-year-old daughter. It's very, the lines have become very blurred between what is class time and what actually needs to be done. How can students schedule their time and their study work time? while being at home? 
first it is honestly documenting it. So it's actually documenting it somewhere as this is fixed time. But I think different from when we were on campus, like I think on campus you get a healthy balance of social and focus time. And so you don't even really have to, like what you're saying, it's, it's all kind of organic. Like you don't have to say, I'm going to study for this two hour block. And I'm going to take a 15 minute break. You just do it at some point within that two hour block. Now you got to build in more break time. So you got to have it fixed, but you can't say, I'm going to study for three hours. I'm going to be in class for two hours and then study for an hour. And then I'm going to have a little 15 minute break and maybe I'll feed the kids or nah, that's not going to work. So like what I do now these days is I do what are called focus sprints. And so what that means is instead of me saying, I'm going to do like a four hour block and have a 15 minute break, which is kind of like your typical work day. I'm going to do a two hour block, have an hour break, do another two hour block, have an hour break, two hour block, have a break, two hour block, and then another hour break, uh, just because you need space. Along with that, I think that a lot of students are also having problems with the environment being the same. And I know that you talked about scheduling and breaks. Students might have other children in the home, um, as you said earlier, or parents who don't understand the need for personal space. What tips do you have for students so that it helps them stay focused amidst all the distractions at home? And this, this is interesting because social media has kind of set us back in a way where we get to stage everything. Like, nothing's really live. Even when you go on the Instagram Live, you're, you planned it out. <laughs> like, I'm going to sit right here. I'm going to do my hair like this. I'm going to, you know, so I think that there's a certain level of comfort that we do have to have with there's going to be things going on in the background. Now, there are technology solutions for a lot of this stuff. A lot of AI is coming out. So one embedded in Zoom is, is the virtual background thing you can do. But there's a, an, a startup called Crisp. K-R-I-S-P, but it's a tool that takes over your microphone and uh, removes all the background noise. And so that kind of helps with like being live and having distractions in that sense. Because there is a certain feeling you get, like my house is loud, like my house is super loud. And it makes, it's not that that's a problem in itself. It just makes me feel embarrassed and like, like, oh, what are they talking about right now? which impacts how I'm focused. And so I think like that crisp app, the the fact that you know you have it on, you know, unfortunately it's free for 120 minutes per month. Other than that, you do have to pay a, a monthly fee. But like you at least know that like, okay, they're not hearing that and you got a, a, a sense of relief. Um, I've gone and worked outside uh, when weather permits because that's just, you know, open space and nobody's really out there that much. But, yeah, you, you do have to find ways to adjust. I had a tutor, a writing tutor. He was having Internet issues yesterday. And he was like, hold on, I'm going to the public library. I'm sitting outside. That's how I'm going to do it. Um, and then, you know, know your resources, the hot spots that we have going on and all that stuff. Yeah, that type of trouble. But. For sure, with distractions, we have to figure out how to cope with them, to be honest. 
for some students, we are attending classes sometimes from our bed or our floor or sometimes even outdoors. Uh, so how can students uh, create their own like physical workspace and support their learning and focus? Yeah, I think you kind of have to think outside the box. Like, let's say for students who, like for me growing up, there was a lot of people in my house. It wasn't just brothers and sisters and, and mom and dad. It was like cousins and uncles and aunts sometimes, you know what I mean? And I think the one place I could always think of that was almost like a sacred zone, which I'm sure is the case for a lot of students, is like, hey, mom and dad, when can I use your room? <laughs> because that normally in a family, that's like a sacred space that nobody goes in. Nobody dare go in there. And if during the day your mom and dad are there outside or they're in the living room or whatever most of the day, that's a good space. Um, I think if you have software like the Crisp app and you can remove the noise, like any corner with some good uh, noise canceling headphones, like I know Raycons are very reasonable. Um, Sony has some reasonable noise canceling headphones. So if you had on those headphones, you had the Crisp app kind of muting the, the ambient noise, you could probably make a good space out of anywhere. And with our social lives and our relaxing time in school lives all being virtual, uh, we are all spending a significant amount of time behind a screen. Do you have any thoughts on how to break up that time for students? Let's say you have a lecture going on. You can record it on your phone and then play it back to yourself later while you're doing other things. Like if you want to go run, if you want to go uh, wash the dishes, like if you want to just like not think as much you can play the audio of it and something about the auditory aspect of things it doesn't take as much focus because a lot of our focus is driven visually for those of us that are abled in that way so just having the audio and being able to do something that doesn't require a lot of thought might be helpful i think the other thing would be so there's this thing called the Pomodoro Method, um, which y'all can look up. And you can use any time recommends. I think they recommend like 25 minutes. But like the focus sprint thing I was talking about is essentially the Pomodoro Method, but in hour increments. But if you do something like that where you set up chains during the day for I'm going to focus for this amount of time and then I'm not going to focus specifically for this amount of time, I don't think we schedule in not focusing enough. Like, if you watch Netflix, you can kind of just, like, ease into watching Netflix, and you don't schedule to watch Netflix. I think now in this environment, you got to schedule to watch Netflix so you can regulate how much time you're spending. This is our first semester starting and ending virtually, but we did transition to virtual in the spring, and I know that you did a lot to transition students through the Learning Center. What have you learned from last semester that you would like to share with students to be successful for this semester? I think a lot of it had to do with motivation. And, like, we all see the memes and stuff on social media about the year of 2020, the year that I'm sure in years in the future we're going to not mention that year's name, like Baltimore. I feel like with 
social unrest and the protests against police brutality with COVID, there is a certain amount of like exhaustion and discontent. And I felt that during the spring semester too. And I guess what I will say to that is you got to find somebody that you can just express the discontent and the frustration and the sadness and the depression, like whatever the emotions are, you have to find somebody that you can express that to. In the Learning Center, we train tutors on a strategy called Empathy Seeking, and it's specifically designed just for that because we know that if a student comes to see a tutor and they come into the space for, you know, a math assignment or whatever, if that student just had a breakup or if they're kind of anxious about, like, what's going on with brutality, it is going to be very difficult for them to do that math assignment with complete focus, with their complete energy. And the brain, and I tell students this a lot, the brain is a pattern recognition machine. And what it does is if you haven't really identified what you're stressed over and expressed it, the brain is like, I got to figure this problem out. They, they're not sending me signals about what I need to do about this problem. I keep trying to tell them, like physically, I'm telling them they need to think about this problem and they're not doing it. And so um, you got, you have to. And I'm not talking about when you just like gunny sack it and like pack it all up and then you just kind of like blow up and vent to your friend one day. I'm talking about like every other day you have to like have conversations and dialogue about some of this stuff. And I think the health center provides a great space for that. I think any space where you feel comfortable just like letting your guard down and just saying what you feel is important. You have to process it or your brain is just going to be so preoccupied with thinking about why you're not processing it and it's going to take its toll physically. You've mentioned the Learning Center a few times, but for students that don't know about what the Learning Center provides or haven't personally used the services, can you tell us a little bit about what's provided and what the Learning Center is doing to help students virtually? Right. So we um, we have two big programs, um, Supplemental Instruction, which uh, we call SI. And what we do is we hire a student that's uh, taken a, a specific course before. We try to identify classes that have a history of high failure rates or high rates of being dropped. And we hire that student that's done well in that class, and we make them sit back in the class again. So they sit back in the course, and they offer study sessions outside of it. With our tutoring program, we do the same thing. We hire students that have done well in the course. But it's a range of courses, so we're like, hey, those, like, five classes you just took and sweated over, do you want to, like, <laughs> relearn those classes and help other students? And that's kind of, like, how our tutors work. Um, so if you are in a class that has supplemental instruction, the SI leader is going to plan an agenda and activities, and you attend those sessions to kind of reaffirm what you got from the lecture. And uh, if you're in a course and we have a tutor for it, 
that's a space for you to kind of set your own agenda. And the tutors are trained on, you know, kind of diagnosing the the concepts and stuff that you want to work on while addressing, like, whatever emotional barriers you have to doing that and then offering amazing strategies for how you can get the most out of learning the material. So it's basically like, you know, like hindsight is twenty twenty. I always compare tutoring and that side of like, if you could talk to your future self after taking the class, like what advice would you give yourself? That's basically what um, our student employees are doing. It's an invaluable resource. Like I don't, I wouldn't see a reason why I would sit alone in my room and get stuck on something and not know what to do. Can you tell students where to access tutoring if they don't already know? Uh, if you just Google Fresno State Learning Center, you can get access to, like, all the links and stuff you need from us. But we have a short link. It's bit.ly slash lc online, and that gives you direct access to our Zoom. Um, and we have um, our student assistants there that kind of greet you and they check you in and they match you up with the tutor. Uh, we also have our Ask a Tutor chat on Canvas where you go into a discussion board for the different subjects we offer. You post a question and tutors reply with, they might reply with a file, a video, an explanation, whatever you need in that moment. Thank you so much for being here with us today and taking the time out to help students embrace and thrive in this new virtual space. It's great to know that there are amazing staff like you at Fresno State who are willing to work hard to help our students be successful. It is our hope that this podcast episode provided you with some tips to support your learning environment and perhaps some confidence to know that you can do this. I'd like to personally encourage students listening to take time to visit the Learning Center, learn more about the tutoring services that are offered, and take advantage of the support that they can offer. To all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Join us every single week as we continue conversations on health and wellness. You can also follow us on our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at FS Health Center, where we will share tidbits of information um, and other ways to build a healthier you.